Hey folks, welcome back to the Friday show here on the Culture Jack Podcast. I'm your host, Dustin, and today we're going to be talking about movie and TV archival. Just like I promised, just like I've been saying that we're going to talk about, I don't know, for the past three or four weeks now. Uh, But before I get into that, we are now hosting on the Culture Jack Podcast five regular episodes every week. We have the Monday Madness Show. We have the news desk on Thursday and then tomorrow on Saturday, of course we have this show, the Friday show. And then tomorrow on Saturday, we've got on today's episode and then wrap up your weekend the right way with the weekend wire. Now onto the show. Uh, like I said, we are going to talk about TV and movie archival. Uh, I wanted to wrap up kind of my, my three part piece on archival and preservation by looking into what goes into archiving and preserving movies and television. Now, if you didn't listen to the other two episodes, feel free to check them out. Uh, One is on preserving video games, and one is all about what the public domain entails and how it has an effect on much of these archival endeavors. Now, before I dive into it and, and prove how much I've learned so far, I'm such a smart boy now, I anticipate, this is, this is what I thought at the beginning of looking into this, uh, that it will fall into three main categories. And that is, one, properties that have entered the public domain. Two, properties that have been successfully archived by that or other means. And then thirdly, properties that are being maintained and preserved by their respective copyright holders. So, like you remember... Uh, In the video game episode, when I talked about that, much of the preservation efforts for Microsoft are going to be on Microsoft systems and storages and Game Pass. Much of the efforts for PlayStation games are going to be on those Sony networks as well. So I anticipate, I expect, as much will, will be said or similarly can be said about movies. We'll we'll see how I do in my anticipation. So just like when I talked about preserving video games, I was surprised to learn that there are already a bunch of places dedicated to the preservation of movies and shows. The first stop on my quest to find that old movies and television simply weren't lost to the abyss of time was the online database for the Library of Congress, where I found my way to their resources for online uh, databases, Uh, No, resources for uh, moving image-related subjects and materials page. Now, this is an amazing resource for those of you that are hit with uh, like an itch for nostalgia or you simply want to look at some older films that have made it into archives similar similar to this one. The categories on that page, on that website, are broken up into archives, museums, and libraries, organizations, informational websites, streaming video, scripts and screenplays, stock footage, still images and posters, TV commercials, educational and certification programs. And so those are all of the categories that are in this Library of Congress resource. Now, obviously, I started with museums and archives because that is the thing I am most concerned about. I don't know why. 
I'm so concerned with it. You know, what happens with all of these things after their novelty has worn off? You know, the desperation that I have for them not to just be swept into obscurity after they become obsolete, you know, after we all shuffle off of this mortal coil. Maybe it's because things like video games and movies and television shows have brought me such joy in my life. And the thought of someone else experiencing uh, experiencing these things for the first time is a very tantalizing prospect. You know, have you ever had that series or that adventure or that book or that movie that you completed and you would give just anything to experience again for the first time? That experience for me is one piece. Uh, there, There's something about... Uh, brushing up against something for the first time that you cannot replicate for yourself. And so because you cannot have that same feeling for that same property, again, you desire that feeling for someone else. I mean, this is why, you know, we recommend things to each other, right? We say, hey, you should watch this show. You should read this book. You should watch this movie. Secondly, knowing the things that you enjoyed and loved are aging out of existence is a firm reminder to yourself that you and everyone that you know and love are going to do the same. But having a conversation like that in the middle of a conversation about where old copies of Batman Returns will be saved, uh, it seems like maybe it's a little too much for me right now. So I'm sorry for the crack in the illusion if you spiraled, uh, if it hits you like that. Uh, but just like video games, though a, a much more exhaustive list on this side with movies and television, I found that a lot of the archival work is being being done by different universities, uh, like the Harvard Film Archive and the Berkeley Art Museum and Pacific Film Archive. Others uh, include the Academy Film Archives, which lay claim to be one of the most diverse and extensive motion pictures collections in the world. Uh, The Walter J. Brown Media Archives and Peabody Awards Collection, beginning in 1995 and currently preserving over 250,000 titles in film and video. And the Writer Guild Foundation, uh, along with keeping films, they also keep scripts, historical materials, letters, photographs, and other memorabilia. Now, I think it's funny that every single hobby... Every single piece of art, every profession, every facet of human life, there is a community built around it. There is an innate desire for archival and historical record keeping. There is an expertise that you will find the further and further you delve into any given topic. The pool that you see only gets deeper the further you wade into it. On the Monday Madness episode, Anthony is constantly talking about the perseverance and uh, of creativity, uh, of career, the perseverance of the grind, and how that unrelenting spirit drives these different fields toward excellence. So I, I guess I shouldn't find it funny, odd, or unique that there's this whole community built up around saving classic movies or all the you know extra parts and pieces that are built around them. So. Aside from the institutions established to preserve movie and television history, there are also organizations with the very same objective. There are advisory bodies to Congress, like the National Film Preservation Board. 
there are several nonprofit organizations dedicated to preservation and access to cinema, like the American Film Institute and the Academy of Television Sciences and Arts. And there's also unions like the Screen Actors Guild and Writers Guild of America uh, that work to further preservation and archival e uh, efforts. All of these organizations represent thousands of experts, aficionados, and historians working to preserve movie and television history. Researching further into this online, you'll find that there are, of course, several internet databases and websites dedicated to this cause, including the National Film Registry, the American Silent Feature Film Database, the Internet Movie Database, the Big Cartoon Database, and even one for silent era films. The internet does not stop at just informational websites and collections of stats either, because online is where you'll be able to find the end goal of preservation efforts as well, to include streaming websites. Uh, I went to the American Archive of Public Broadcasting just to, you know, poke around a little bit and see what I could see. Now, this uh, is public broadcasting, so obviously not very exhilarating, uh, but it was pretty incredible to see all of the old news stories alongside news stories. Jimmy Carter, Buzz Aldrin, Netanyahu. There's a wide variety of public uh, television news and story pieces. I then popped over to the Internet Archive at uh, it's archive.org if you want to check it out. And that has a collection of 6.6 .6 million moving image results, along with TV, books, software, websites, all kinds of things they've archived and dropped into the comedy category where I was delighted to find a bunch of old Charlie Chaplin films in their entirety. So you can go there and watch them for free now, archive.org. No doubt a large amount of the content on this website has already entered the public domain. So I wouldn't be surprised if this library continued to grow as long as, well, you know, humans continue to exist and they continue to create media. Again, Referencing Anthony's comments from a previous episode, we currently have an unrelenting grind that many have dedicated themselves to in order to generate and make new content in order to, as he put it, feed the consumers. Millions of hours of content are added to the internet every single day. Uh, I, I got this statistic updated on January 26th of this year. YouTube alone has 30,000 hours of content uploaded every hour to its platform. So in one day of uploaded YouTube videos, you would need 82 years of nonstop watch time to finish all of that. And by the time you finished all of that in your 82 hours or 82 years of sleepless life, Considering uploads were done at a similar rate, even though we have no reason to believe they would not increase, in that 82 years, another 517 billion hours of YouTube would have been added to the internet. And this is just one single application. Consider TikTok is publishing an incredible amount of content, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Consider that we human people are making far more consumable media than we could ever hope to adequately relish or enjoy, much less taste every single thing that's been offered. This leads to a question on what is worth preservation.
being the person I know myself to be, my automatic, my immediate answer, my gut response is everything. Everything deserves to be preserved. Everything that is made is worth existing throughout time. But let's be honest with each other, right? Is every piece of art that your child makes worthy of going up on, on that, the refrigerator? I mean, there's only so much uh, space on the thing for anthropomorphized cats and strangely drawn rainbows. This is why curation is so important when it comes to preservation. Everything is enjoyable to someone for at least some time. So historians have a unique challenge to find that piece of art that is perhaps the best representation of a particular artist and not just shrink wrap all of their crumpled up first drafts, right? Maybe instead of just finding an artist's best work, finding an artist that represents the genre in the most complete way would be the best course of action. And maybe going a step further, maybe just preserving those pieces that best represent the medium as a whole. I mean, who knows? So much would be lost if there was that kind of specificity to preservation and archival efforts. When it comes to the masses of schlock that are served up on the internet every single hour and every single day, how is all of that going to be preserved? In that Library of Congress resource that I referenced earlier, similar to video games, we are allowing these private streaming companies to do a good deal of the legwork in terms of archival. Netflix, Hulu, and Amazon are all uh, specifically referenced in that Library of Congress website. So uh, also that would lead me to believe that user-generated content like this, like stuff on YouTube and other applications are being mostly maintained by the server farms that support them. Is there a future where a government or state's purchase uh, you know, purchase these server farms in order to preserve these independent creators? How much of the content today that was created on MySpace is forever lost to our memories? Where uh, it's only going to be preserved for as long as our brains last, until our brains decay. What masterpieces were created on LimeWire, Napster, or Kazaa that are just gone? Think of Newgrounds. Think of all of the Adobe Flash content that was created on the internet that just does not exist anymore. Whether the websites are gone or wh whether the videos were deleted, it just isn't there. It kind of makes me, it kind of makes me sad a little bit. You know, preservation is a funny thing. Archival is a funny thing. It exists as a monumental effort to little or, or to no benefit of the people who are undertaking that challenge. And all of the benefit is to future consumers that will have an opportunity to watch it, read it, listen to it. And I don't know why, like I said, this is the third time I've talked about it on this podcast. I don't know why that I'm so fixated on it or fascinated by it. But at the end of this, knowing that Final Fantasy X on PlayStation 2 will be just as available, if not more so, as it was when I was a teenager to the teenagers of tomorrow, knowing that the people will get that gut punch feeling at the end of Avengers Affinity War that I had when I first saw it in the theaters, and knowing that the art 
uh, of today will be an option for the museum goer of tomorrow. Knowing all of that, it makes me a little less anxious about all of it. And I guess the big narcissistic part of me hopes that, you know, the Culture Jack podcast will live on in the ears of future humans. So comment below if you're listening to this in the year 2121. And that wraps up my piece on nostalgia. Granted, it made for a short episode and granted the episode has aired on maybe a day that wasn't the Friday for the Friday show. However, these are my thoughts on the thing. And if we talk about this again in the future, I hope that there's some new revelations that are made that I can, I can glean and that maybe I can pass on, pass on to you. But for now, that's it for the Friday show. Make sure you stay tuned for our other podcasts or our other episodes that we have on the Culture Jack podcast. Stay tuned for on today's episode, Monday Madness, The Weekend Wire, The News Desk, and then the Friday show again next week. Um, leave us a review. If you like this podcast, if you like the other episodes that we produce, please leave us a review on the streaming platform that you are listening to it on. It would help us a great deal. Interact with us on Facebook or Twitter. You can get a hold of us there at Culture Jacked. You can also uh, shoot us an email at culture.collective.x2 at gmail.com. Other than that, have a good weekend. Cheers. Cheers.